Self. Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So before we get started, uh, Alexander, I just wanted to reach out uh, and say thank you to our newest patrons, uh, Donna Pittman and Jason Solars. Yes, thank uh, you so much. You know, we just launched our patron, and these people have been with us since the start, so just want to thank them from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, thank you very much, uh, and keep sharing it, and uh, we'll keep expanding as a community. So, Alexander, you know, we've kind of been been joking around about this, and people have commented on uh, maybe us being a little too stiff or serious in the whole podcast. So we were kind of just kind of thinking of ways we could loosen up other than just our individual banter back and forth during our conversations so there's there's one thing that you do uh, every now and then to loosen the mood, uh, wh- either uh, in between podcasts, recordings, or or just uh, out of the blue. It's a little bit staggering if you're not expecting it, but maybe you can uh, do it for us. Sure. Well, um, it goes something like, "Woo!" <laughs> so hopefully everybody out there is okay. Um, <laughs> Yes, yeah, so Alexander does this from time to time, and sometimes I'm not expecting it, and I almost pee myself. Uh, but it does it does uh, tend to uh, loosen the mood if there's any like tense energy in the air. It kind of makes everything feel okay <laughs> yes. uh, again. Um, so maybe you can talk a little about why you do it. Yeah, well, it's an interesting subject actually because. I come from being a very um, uptight person, and um, all through my childhood and through my 20s, I was, uh, I guess you could say, overly serious, um, scared of judgment, of ridicule. And as I continued to uh, work with my self-development and through developing the different parts of this philosophy, I saw that um, self-judgment was holding me back a lot um, in that respect. And so... One of my biggest fears was people um, laughing at me or making fun of me. So um, the way that I approached that was to do what was most uncomfortable, and that was to make a loud sound that would draw attention to myself. Of course, this isn't something that I've created. Um, Ric Flair, I grew up uh, with um, wrestling uh, around my environment, and uh, Ric Flair is very well known to to do that woo sound. So it's nothing original, but it is something that was difficult for me to bring into my life. And then I happened to raise uh, two fellow Virgo uh, boys as well. Uh, So our birthdays was just three days apart. And so they carried a lot of that like insecurity, um, just that self-judgment as well. So I saw that I could use this as a tool to get them to break out of their shell from time to time to just uh, be out in nature or be out um, around people and express themselves 
um, and be okay with that judgment because most of the time you get a smile uh, that that people don't know how to take it. And it's not to be startling. It's not to be aggressive. It's really just to be um, self-expressive in a uh, light way, lighthearted way. And, you know, there can be different associations as well because we're located here in the South. Um, but it really is, it boils down from a sound therapist's perspective and the uh, frequency philosophy of just a way to express yourself and to, yes, lighten the mood, to bring yourself into the present moment, um, to change uh, somebody else's perspective uh, just with that um, slight, lighthearted expression. And, you know, this work can be very, very rigid or serious. So it is important to take a step back and bring it all into perspective and remember that we're, you know, we're here for a limited time only and uh, for us to, to remember to have fun and we don't need to be serious all the time and to remember that this is all a work in progress and there's no really end goal to say. Yes, and there's nowhere that you arrive and and I've been very guilty in the past of um, taking it uh, so-called too seriously. And I'm at a point in my life now where I do uh, suggest to people to um, take it more in stride and to realize that you it's not something you're going to accomplish. Um, so go ahead and get that, that whole time frame out of your mind and to um, work with developing yourself while allowing that little boy or that little girl within you to, um, to thrive as well. And when I do my sound journeys and I teach people about the energy centers of the the energy field or the chakras the second chakra is where that little boy or little girl resides and it, it resides within our um, sexual expression and our artistic abilities and so this energy is very important to uh, constantly keep flowing and lots of people have digestive issues uh, because of energy being stuck in the center and one way is through self-expression. And uh, I just chose to use the throat chakra because that happens to be uh, one of my um, more deficient energy centers uh, in my human design. And so anytime I can exercise that energy center, I do it. And um, it's really become something now that's very natural for me. People that anyone that's close to me or been around me very much, they at some point uh, do hear it and experience it. So it doesn't have the shock value. Uh, like I said, it's really about bringing you into that present moment and um, shifting the energy or the frequencies of the of that specific time. So don't be surprised if you suddenly uh, hear this on a more regular basis. <laughs> we, we've been toying around with the idea of making it a permanent staple in the podcast uh, somewhere. So just know that it all came from this episode. Yeah, so express yourself, people. Um, be considerate of others. Um, but it is important, especially when you're by yourself, uh, take that opportunity to speak it to the wind, to the sky, to the trees, but express yourself. So moving on, uh, one topic in particular that has been uh, bouncing around in my head as I take on different perspectives and then look at the world differently through it has been uh, associations. And since I've really been able to conquer the topic and understand it uh, uh, thoroughly in my own mind, uh, 
uh, I've really been just watching people, watching interactions, uh, watching, you know, if I watch a movie or a TV series, just watching the different associations that arise when people have emotional reactions. And I thought it's a really important topic to tackle. So I do want to get into word associations and associations in general, whether that is in this podcast or podcasts uh, in the near future. But so today I do want to jump into word associations. And I know Alexander has a lot of uh, really helpful information and uh, perspective changing information on words in general and how powerful they are. Yeah, so uh, here's the way I like to present that. To accept that words are extremely powerful and words carry no power simultaneously. So when we are speaking words, uh, what we say is very, very powerful. It can affect someone very strongly, uh, even without our intention, because people have triggers to certain phrases or certain words. But as far as giving words power, when they're coming into your ears or people are saying them to you, they can only have power if you give them that power. And so when we use our own emotional triggers, it's a great tool for our self-growth because if someone says something that you don't like the way that they said it, rather than getting upset with them or wanting them to say it a different way or needing to express yourself in that moment, to take that and ask, hey, why am I allowing this to this word or this phrase to affect me so uh, negatively? Because uh, you're basically just giving your power away. And this is very, very common because through our childhood um, and through life, we come across different people that use different phrases or different words in an aggressive way or in, even in an abusive way. And see, we hold on to that connection of that negative experience with that word rather than just letting that go um, and cleansing the word, so to say. And it becomes a stigma throughout that person's life that anytime someone uses that phrase or that word, they're going to have this reaction. So the only freedom to work towards emotional freedom of reaction is to change how you vibrate when you hear that word. And this happens to very similarly to the way that you raise a child, is that you patiently be willing to correct it, possibly a hundred times. You may not always have to do it a hundred times, but you've got to go through that experience and tell yourself to not react in that way. And every time it'll get a little bit better. And if you can find the association of when you first had that reaction and you can work on for some forgiveness work and release there, then it'll expediate this whole process. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I guess, being somebody who may not be exposed to this or even in the first initial stages of being exposed to this philosophy, people don't know that they even have an association. They just hear something and know how they feel instantly and and think that uh, it's almost being uh, directed towards them externally. Right. And, and here I do want to bring in as well the separation between feeling and emoting. And so what is happening here is, yes, a word is said and an emoting happens. We Most people use the phrase, oh, it made me feel this way. But we're going to get away from that 
uh, phraseology as best as we can, and we'll probably slip up uh, within this, so be uh, gentle with those beautiful people. But there is a difference between feeling and emoting. And when we have a reaction to something that somebody says that is emoting, that is going through the emotions. And so what it does is it reminds us of another time in the past that was in a negative or positive light. I mean, emotions are triggered both ways in both a so-called negative and a so-called positive way. But most people don't realize this. And so they're constantly leaking their subtle energy by having these emotional expressions. And so they go through the moment, they go through the expression of that emotion, either externally or internally, and then they go to their workmates or their friends or their partner, and they talk about how that affected them. And so they just stir the so-called emotional pot, and then that can either uh, set off another emotional reaction with the person that they're talking to, either in agreement or in opposition, and it just keeps growing. And so the emotional original emotional reaction is a beautiful sign that there's some work here to do and that if you start healing that emotional reaction then you won't give your power away when people use those words or those phrases in the future so this is really a self-investment you're not see you're not letting people just walk over you or use you like a doormat or talk to you any way that they choose you're choosing to work on your reaction And the less that you react, the less that these people will need to talk to you in that manner because this is the way that energy works. When you don't have the friction there, it doesn't need to come and try to create or try to create life and grow. And that's what people – it'll be useful when people realize that emotions are always trying to trigger each other to keep them growing uh, everything on this planet is always trying to grow, and everything grows through the act of friction. So this is where we have uh, the ability over other species, so to say, is that, that separation to be able to uh, not react, to choose. Because the one free will that we have that can be guaranteed is our perception, And that's one of the only free wills that we truly have here. But how we choose to perceive things and our emotions is a big key to that overall perception and the way we see our lives in general. And the way I've kind of broken it down in my head when, you know, learning about this whole perspective for the first time and and going forward through many conversations, just trying to remember. uh, And then you usually don't really... Uh, take on the new perspective until you you have to in a way uh, it's only when in your own life you know maybe if you if you're listening to this podcast or if you're exposed to this philosophy uh, outside uh, more regularly whether you're, you know you come and see Alexander talk at some of his events it's only when outside of these events when you're not listening to it when you have your own experience where either you're talking and then you realize you've made an association and you've emotionally reacted onto somebody in a conversation or somebody has done it to you or you've observed uh, two people doing it to each other. It's only when you finally see that in action when it starts to make sense. And I think I've broken it down in my head where it's like you're an individual entity in this word coming from somewhere is an individual entity 
you know, a word can be good or bad. It's all on how the person takes it. So you can't get mad at the word because it's just a word. And, and I guess, I guess the problem is you get mad at the person who said the word, uh, because I think you somehow like expect them to know how it's going to make you feel, which is such an, such a weird thing to think, but uh, I mean, we all do it. But I agree. Yeah. That, that, um, we, we don't take the time to clarify the meanings of these words. And, and anybody that knows me uh, does this dance very often. Um, when somebody says something to me that, uh, comes across in any way but neutral, I tend to like to say, please explain to me what you mean by that word or that phrase. I truly want to know. There's no opposition here. And see, the purpose is for me to understand what that person means by that word, not to get them to mean what I mean when I use that word. I just need to know what they mean. And so, once again, this explanation of uh, communication is not feeling like we're justifying ourselves to one another or that we're answering or explaining over explaining ourselves to one another. It's just clarification because I've been through um, a large amount of death in my life now with all my grandparents gone, my best friend at 20, my father at 24, my wife at 37, and then my mother at 47. And when I talk to a a uh, friend or colleague at the same age that hasn't even lost their grandparents yet, that hasn't experienced death, we can use the same word to a limited level of communication. But he or she can't understand what I mean by the depth of that word due to my experience around that word. And that's what I think will be helpful is to understand that we've all had different life experiences. We've all had different languages and words around those life experiences. That doesn't mean they're harder or better or worse than anyone else's. It just means they're different. And so when we come together and we all use this English language, we need to understand that slang has really weakened our language Um, that people hide behind language, that people manipulate with language. There's all of these um, self-gratifying tactics that people have developed. So to to take the time to get clear and ask for more explanation, to me, is one of the most loving acts that that we can do for one another. Yeah, I mean, we can even take somebody who maybe English isn't their first language. And we've all been around people who who are are learning English as a second or third language and they may not structure sentences properly or uh, use uh, certain words. You know, the words they use may be close to what they're trying to mean. And then in that case, we usually understand and we take the time to to try to figure out what they're trying to say. Yeah, that next level of effort, so to say. So, you know, one of my points is shifting the perspective from the putting the power in in the words to the power into the intention of what the other person means. And that's exactly what you just described with a foreign language is we, we give leeway with the words and we pay attention to what is this person really trying to convey to me. So see, we've already proven that we can do it. It's just making that a habit to do it in everyday conversations can prove to be extremely, extremely useful. And so You know, uh, I have an experience with um, me and my brother one time. I didn't attend a a family gathering. And uh, the next time he saw me, he was uh, sure to let me know that he was disappointed in me. 
And I said, you're disappointed in me. And he said, well, yes, uh, I came and other people in the family came and you should have came too. And I said, well, uh, brother, I want you to know that there's no way you can disappoint me because I don't have any expectations on you. And as long as you're looking to be disappointed, you will always find somebody to disappoint you. So he uses that word a lot, and that is an ongoing theme in his life because he has such an association with that. And so, you know, like I was mentioned earlier, some people stand behind certain words, and it, it can become very dogmatic. Um, and uh, But what's most important is what they're really meaning and trying to convey and getting away from the reactive words and getting to the point of what is really trying to be conveyed. And I see this in my relationship work all the time, that people are trying to uh, talk to each other, and they're getting caught up in the words, and there's no true communication happening. It's just a struggle of talking over one another. And so hopefully this will will inspire people to know, take the time to break down what you truly mean by a word. In a previous relationship, a devastating one was um, understand, and and I began to ask many people their definition of what understand means, and I got a lot of different definitions, and that was one that just over all these years have slipped through the crack. I felt like understand was pretty clear what that meant, but um, but it has many, many different meanings, and really every word in our English language has many different meanings, and we need to accept that and work with that in our conscious communication. I guess what we're kind of breaking it down to is there, <laughs> there needs to be some responsibility on the, the person hearing the words, uh, some emotional responsibility to know that uh, this person is... I guess in most cases, probably not saying certain things to hurt them. Right. That's Uh, not always the intention. But understanding that in our culture, we've been trained to be on guard. So as soon as any kind of um, question comes up, it's amazing. It's almost like we're back to the Old West and everybody draws their guns before they even begin to consider what was just asked of them. There's such a defense mechanism uh, built in. And so... Your countenance and how you ask that question is very, very important. And, um, you know, I always try to, of course, to be very inviting and let them know that I'm truly interested in um, in seeing that clearly. I'm not trying to change the way that they use it or change their meaning because that's what everybody gets in defense of. They don't want to change. And so the to uh, get that out of the way, you know, right away, say, no, I'm not looking to change anything. I just want to uh, see it more clearly and see right there. I would, I would typically use the word understand, but I don't use that word very much anymore. Uh, I, I mean, see clearly when I say understand and I get an agreement with someone, but that's not what everyone means with that, with that phrase. So, uh, so I have chosen to just change my language and adapt it to, to be clear. And, um, so far I haven't run into any obstacles, uh, with that phrase. But you're talking more on uh, the speaking end. So, of course, there is some responsibility. I think uh, if you want to practice uh, conscious communication, not only being the one uh, to consciously under, uh, <laughs> let's use the word understand, to consciously uh, hear the, the words being said to them 
and to find the intention and, and, and look at any emotions that arise on certain words, but also uh, in a conscious uh, conversation to maybe choose words or pick words that um, when you're conver- uh, conversing with somebody and you're the one speaking, choosing words that, that you may know that that person has a good understanding if you have like a personal relationship with that person right. or so on. Yeah, to, to be, you're basically building a language. And with anyone that's close to me, once again, they're very uh, familiar with that. And I'm pretty open about that. And it is both a responsibility on both sides because, you know, when you're receiving, um, this is one of the, the basic Uh, principles of all of this uh, work of this frequency-based philosophy is that understanding that if I have an emotional reaction to anything that someone does or says, the very first step is accepting full responsibility for that because no one can make me mad. No one can make me sad. I choose. We all choose that. And so accepting that this emoting and these emotions are choices is, I think, the basic principle that hasn't been introduced to people because they basically mimic their environment. If they're raised in a a loud environment, then they tend to carry that loud environment into their own family or they go to the other extreme and they're extremely sensitive to any kind of loud environment. So they go a little bit too far the other way. So. Another level of understanding of this is just basically that we are uh, brought into this life. Most of us have parents that do the best that they can, but then to understand that when we go out on our own, (laughs) growing isn't done. That's when we have to step in and be our own parents and truly grow ourselves, and that's what this work is all about. So as you were saying that, something dawned on me. And I feel like maybe uh, this should have been said like way in the one of the early podcast episodes, but because it made me uh, kind of analyze uh, when, when you said uh, no one can make you mad. I thought of somebody who maybe uh, who may not have like a a relationship with their internal workings. Uh, they they may think, well, you know, somebody says something, and then I just feel mad. And I, I think uh, maybe you can expand on this, but we have to explain that it's almost like you have to train yourself to somehow give some space in between your emotional reaction to then make a choice to have an emotional reaction. It's like yeah. a training thing, right? So, so it's very similar to the uh, foreign language that you brought up earlier. Because if a five-year-old child runs up to a lady and hits her in the leg and says, you're mean and ugly and fat and I don't like you, and takes off running the other way, normally everybody in the room will just laugh. And that woman won't take uh, that all that seriously. Kids say the darndest things. But let someone of equivalent age say something even similar, and it can be completely crushing for that person. So, see, we do still have the discernment. So this is where I like to suggest view everyone through eight-year-old goggles. Um, That's basically where our culture is at an emotional level, maybe possibly seven or eight years old. And uh, that doesn't mean to look down on them. That means communicate with them the way you would to a seven or eight-year-old. 
And typically, anybody that's truly interested in helping a child, they're going to take time to be patient. They're going to take time to respect the child and to use a language that the child can understand. And then ask the child if they do understand or see clearly what was being conveyed. There's different steps that we do with children because we think that we're the bosses and they're just, uh, you know, the, the students or whatever. But I'm suggesting to take this to a different level and to use that in your everyday to just as when you're speaking with somebody that the English is their second language, we give them uh, more intention to to be interested in what they're truly trying to convey. And it can be the same with when people are uh, saying things to us, creating these reactions that we choose to, first of all, say, I'm not going to take this personal. I mean, that's that's got to be the first step, that there is no projection of blame. You have to make that agreement with yourself that you're going to keep yourself under that type of discipline and not to project that he or she is saying doing this to me or making me feel this way, that they are truly just the messengers that are coming in, giving me an opportunity to heal something from my past. And the way that I have proven many, many times that energy works is that when you heal that reaction, that person stops talking to you in that way. That does not mean that they stop doing that. But what it means is that the energy takes them somewhere else where friction is going to be because that is where all of an emotional triggers are looking for. They're looking to be triggered. So, from my perspective, so that they can be healed. Just like when we are handling a child that is throwing a temper tantrum, how that is handled directly determines how many temper tantrums that child throws. And there's more effective ways than others to handle that. And many people try many, many different ways. And it's very similar in communicating. If you truly want to convey what you are saying, then you care how the other person's responding. You care how you're responding to their replies. And you want to work over this once again or throughout your whole lifetime rather than looking at something that you're going to fix. So it becomes a way of life rather than just a philosophy. It's, it's more than a concept. It's something that yeah, has to be practiced every day. But the very first step is accepting full responsibility for all of your emotional reactions and truly seeing that, no, I choose to allow this to happen but I have been trained this, and that's normally established in our childhood. So once again, staying out of victim mentality, just seeing that this was part of our path, and now it's time to learn the other side. So complete learning from my perspective is you take what you learn from your schools and your parents, the good, the bad, the indifferent, and then you grow up, and at some point of your life, you choose to see all of the other sides of what you weren't taught, and that's our own responsibility to work on those lessons. So life is an ongoing school. It's a garden, so dig it. <laughs> so uh, I think that reminds me of that whoop there. My association <laughs> is whoop there it is. Yeah, like, yeah. can you dig yeah. it? Uh, so uh, is tone... The way somebody says something, maybe they use words that are that you're neutral with, but uh, the way they said them is often oh, yeah. comes up in that, arguments. That common uh, phrase of it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And that comes back to intention. So 
you know, if you are looking to truly convey information, you're coming with a neutral um, energy with a you're not you're not coming to be forceful because that's going to create an energetic reaction. So whether you're so-called happy or so-called mad, if you come with that energy into a situation trying to truly communicate clearly, you're going to fail in both. And I'm here to say that so-called positive emotions are just as damaging in communication as so-called negative emotions are. Because when we want to convey information, the emotions aren't necessary. But if we just want to talk and we want to uh, connect, if we want to relate then yes, those emotions are there to experience. But once again, to experience and let go like children do, not to hold on to and be affected and let it ruin your day and constantly drain your energy field, and then to eventually create something physical or mental to deal with. So let's uh, give some examples. Uh, Let's throw some words out there that uh, are commonly, uh, I guess, uh, taken offense some people take offense to or or see it in a different way and mm-hmm. just we can show like the polarity of it uh let's take for instance swear words anything yeah i mean um uh you know some people are very affected by swear words and some people just see them as words and a way of expression expressing yourselves and so once again to be considerate um i happen to you know, just choose not to give necessarily any word more power than others. So um, I raised my boys to, you know, right place, right time, right person, right duration. Uh, so from an early age, uh, they were welcome to express themselves, uh, even with explicitives, but um, only around me. And if they couldn't handle that, then the structure and the discipline had to come in. But they had an avenue for that freedom. So what it built was that they don't swear very much at all because they were, um, all, I mean, allowed to, basically. But with those swear words, um, you know, it's it's more important. See, people that are affected by it, lots of times they justify it by saying that they don't want other people to hear it or they don't want children to hear it and that kind of thing. So there is a management aspect of that, especially – uh, where people that carry the the cross of service just in general. But once again, lots of times that can be that they are running from their own work, trying to do stuff for other people. So I like to suggest right away to to manage that environment. You will manage that environment much better when you're not affected by the word and you're just managing like the situation. But if you're trying to manage somebody using those words and you're trying to justify it by using children or the environment, but you're really being affected internally, that's going to keep happening in your environment. You're going to continue to attract that. So that's why I say first do your work before you try to help everybody else. It's the same as the the someone drowning imperative uh, that we bring up is that, you know, you want to make sure that you are got some sure footing because even with their best intentions, they'll still pull you under and uh, can drown you. So it's very similar with uh, how we use words and the reactions that people have. But what's ironic is, you know, the swear words, uh, you know, you can break it down. You can talk about a bunch of them, you know, 
on their own, I mean, they're they're neutral. They're it's just a word. It's just a sound. Uh, I mean, we could get into like the frequencies. Maybe some have like a frequency that doesn't gel with the human body or or certain organs. But people like to pick and choose uh, which ones they're offended by, (laughs) which ones are okay, and you know those come from associations, whether it's a religion or what their parents uh, would allow them to say. Uh, And you know, I've been around people who just every other word is a swear. But I think when you start doing this work, I think the I mean, what would you say? The point is to be around that person and just be like, well, you know, I I don't want to be like that. So, but but I mean, you don't judge them. You just be like, man, I, I wouldn't want to, or I'm glad that I don't uh, partake in communicating that way uh, around well, I mean, in the world. I think a useful way to look at it is, you know, by observing how it affects um, their relationships around them, how uncomfortable it makes everyone else. And so for me, I just use that as a reflection, so to say, and go, yeah, I don't want to make people feel that way. Um, So although he or she isn't necessarily making me feel negative um, or have an emotional reaction, I don't like the effect that it's having on the environment. So that just reminds me to keep my language maybe uh, a little cleaner than I have been. See, life is always giving us these like little nudges at the right time. And and so it can, you know, in any situation when you, when you have those opportunities to look at something like that, it can really be happening, you know, of course, at the right time in the right environment, um, the right person to truly get that message, the opportunity for that message. And so... Um, I'm about listening to those like subtle messages and making the adjustment. And from my perception, life starts out whispering to us to make these changes. And the less that we listen, the louder the message has to get. And sometimes that can be where a so-called accident or um, something really so-called negative has to happen to get our attention. And uh, once again, this is why we bring in the human design and our card system that we work with to help people understand all the aspects of themselves to get out of self-judgment, to get out of uh, ridicule, because the truth is the less that someone judges themselves, typically the less they judge others. And normally the more judgmental someone is external, uh, they're extremely judgmental internal as well. So um, always keeping that in mind. That normally, you know, the baby that is uh, is reacting the most just wants the most attention. Um, so lots of times the less attention you give them when they're doing that action, the less they will continue to do that action. And there is a difference between uh, judging yourself and being conscious and aware of what you know of uh your actions or any of that and that's something that uh i mean we can talk about a lot and it's probably a little off topic yeah but i do want to touch base on it because i do think it's important to to realize to stay out of the would haves should haves or could haves and just simply state from this point on no mas no more i'm not doing that anymore And then to accept that you're going to fail from time to time. That's why I suggest give yourself a hundred times, a hundred chances, and you're going to overcome that issue. And then people can scoff at a hundred times and I say, well, it may only take 20, but the sooner you want it to happen, the longer it's going to take. So I use energy the other way and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, you know, accept that it may potentially take a hundred times and then I could be pleasantly surprised with 20. 
but that's just how I uh, work with it and suggest. But uh, getting out of the whole time frame and when you're going to fix something about yourself is one of the best suggestions I can give people because healing takes whatever time it takes. And most of us don't have any idea to the level of the healing that we are even entering into. Um, so this can can broaden in perspective whether you talk about even uh, past lives or multiple lives or whether you're dealing with just w- this one life and family uh, lineage and family heritage. Uh, to me, I don't care which language I use because they're both talking about the transferring of energy. Um, and that's, of course, what we are always going to bring this uh, podcast around to is energy. It's not about religion or spiritual beliefs or um, anything of that sort is about an actual um, system to help us break out of these patterns and these blockages that we create in our culture and in our families. Yeah, and as we were talking about uh, the swearing and swearing uh, in front of certain people, it's funny that we are, as a society, uh, at least a little bit conscious and in, in we know like around our friends, we'll use one set of vocabulary and then around our parents or when we're in public, most use a different set. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we know like we kind of train ourselves what words, uh, you know, maybe you and your friends have certain words that you've kind of made up or, right. or you've they, agreed on definition. And some people can even say that's being inauthentic. And then someone else can say, no, that's just being considerate. Uh, I happen to always feel the more someone is able to manage that, the more potential toward so-called consciousness that they carry. And so lots of times the people that are the most reactionary, they say, oh, that's just me, you know, and I'm not going to be any other way for anybody. And to me, that's just a child saying that they're not going to discipline themselves. And in any type of society, if discipline isn't present, there's going to be chaos. So there's a time for me to get complete freedom to run around naked, to say anything that I want to the way I want to. And that's when I'm to myself in my home or my temple or around my core people that won't misinterpret, that won't misunderstand. But when I'm out there in the world, I accept that I'm here to be of service and to to help. So I'm not trying to force my language down people's throats. I'm trying to understand how they want to uh, be talked with, what words they want to use, how they want to define their words. Because my interest is in communicating, not just talking to people. So I choose that. And whenever I don't have the energy or the so-called time to do that, then I retreat and I refuel by being by myself or with loved ones. And that becomes that's become my lifestyle. That's just part of my life. But whenever I go in, into the world, I'm of service And when I'm here, I completely uh, get to experience complete non-restriction in any way. And that feeds the man, woman, and children, from my perspective, that if we are able to get all of the aspects, then we're more willing to provide all of the aspects. But most people are busy playing a certain kind of role, whether it's corporate America where they don't get to truly let their hair down and just be themselves and talk however they want to and that type of thing. So it's out of balance. And then there's other people, like I said, that walk around talking however they want to and speaking and just being high and mighty and saying, no, I'm just being myself. And uh, everybody just needs to not take things personal and be more authentic. And there's a little bit of truth in that, but we're just not at that place in our society right now. So 
I'm interested in focusing on a more realistic view of where we're at right now. And what's ironic with that personality type or archetype of that person who uh, just wants to be their authentic selves without any consequences is that I, I find in just my watching, people watching, that that personality type is more likely to be offended because they make it all kind of about them. Mm-hmm. So when somebody else is just being authentic and doing the same thing, they'll be judgmental. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's funny to me. Yes. I mean, and of course, this is how it, it, you know, when you're able to break everything down to just frequencies and energy, you can see this that friction is going to attract more friction. And the more that someone is able to manage that friction and slowly step out, then someone else will come in to be part of that friction. But friction has to exist for life to exist. All life is created through the act of friction. Uh, in my observations of nature and people and and even the act of making love to have a child is frictional. Um, so we need to take our negative stereotype off of that word. And this is, once again, a word that is a trigger for most people, very similar to the word failing. And when I use the word uh, I failed or I'm failing at this, uh, lots of times I'll get people to that um, you know want to uh, suggest people to speak positively and that type of thing to um, to correct me. And uh, my definition of failure is merely an opportunity to learn. And if you're not failing, then you're not growing. So there's no negative part of that. So uh, anytime I use failing in my work, it is nothing negative. Um, just as there is no negativity around the word ignorance. Ignorance just means uninformed. There's nothing negative about that, but that can be misunderstood around the words of stupid or, um, you know, uh, some other negatively descriptive word like that. But uh, So getting clear with these word associations I do think is important, and I think it was a great topic um, to bring up. So another example is... The word people use for a higher power, like whether it be God or Jesus or uh, Abraham, or I mean, it all depends on what your experience of religion is or whether you're unreligious. I, there's such a fire topic to people because a lot of people hold it dear to heart. It is, and and I've worked with people from just about every um, religion or spiritual path out there, and I respect everyone's term for that, and I just see as everyone's talking about the same thing, the term that I've chosen to use the majority of the time is uh, divine energy, and I had this conversation with my sister at one time, and and I uh, she's a very um, strong Southern Baptist woman and married to a preacher, uh, which I respect them very much, and we were in a conversation and I was using divine energy and I saw her, her brow going down. And that's one of my keys is when the eyebrows go down, there's resistance. And when they're up, there's reception. So um, that helps in watching people when we're talking to them. And I saw her brow going down and I said, you do understand that when I say divine energy, that I mean God in your language or Jesus. And she said, I need you to say God or Jesus. <laughs> And I said, then I shall. And from that point on, and the rest of that visit, I use the term God and Jesus. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't have, carry preference in words anymore. It's, uh, my preference is whatever's going to help me communicate my information with the most ease and uh, love. 
Exactly. So you took it upon yourself to be considerate to your sister because the information in the conversation was bigger and more important than your own personal uh, feelings towards using I didn't have anything to defend. I didn't need to, like, um, change her point of view. I just wanted to understand her, and I gave her a chance to understand me. She didn't necessarily take that chance. She needed it a certain way. And I have nothing to prove with that. So now in the past, um, you know, that that hasn't always been the case. Um, we all, in order to do this work most effectively, we have to let go of needing to be heard. And I, I want to repeat that. This need to be heard, this need to be recognized. And so much of our culture carries this, and I was very guilty of this as well. And it it keeps people from hearing you the more that you need to be heard. And once again, that can come from insecurity. That's where mine stemmed from. And I've been very open that, you know, my two uh, hardest emotions to manage was insecurity and frustration. So those are the two that I've focused on most in uh, these 20 years of work. And I'd like to suggest people to to learn those and accept those two major emotions and we all have them and then to just truly make friends with them and accept that they're going to be with you through the majority of your walk and insecurity and frustration is welcome to walk with me but they never get to make any decisions um insecurity wanted to keep me from doing this podcast from ever uh keep me from ever uh, speaking about this work uh, to keep me from performing my sound journeys from ever performing music on stage it's been in my ear my whole life of that I can't do this or I can't do that or I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. So I just made an agreement a long time ago that anything that I have a resistance to, I'm going to lean into. What uh, happens with that is the more that you lean into that so-called friction, the less that life needs to put it in your face. It doesn't mean that you get away from it. But the beautiful thing is, is that the more practice you do with these things, the more you're able to handle these situations and not react emotionally. And the most recent proof of that was um, losing my mother uh, just under a year ago to um, death and some of my family being very surprised because we were the closest, um, I can uh, easily say, in the family. And um, I had some family members that were surprised how I was handling it so well and I just told him that I'd had a whole lot more practice than anybody else in my family with death and I was so close to her we we didn't have any would-haves could-haves or should-haves so that is the point of like making sure that the people in your life that they know because we don't know what tomorrow brings and I do live by that motto of I never want to utter the words would've should've or could've with anybody that's passed and so far, I've been able to um, to adhere to that uh, uh, with the death over the last 20 years or so. So um, so that's something important that I feel like it helps us to live uh, when we accept death uh, at a deeper level. This concludes part one of our conversation on word associations. Join us on the next episode for the conclusion of this topic.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The information in this podcast has been developed over 20 years by Alexander in his observation of his personal life, private practice, and professional environments. This information is meant for educational purposes only and is not suggested as a replacement for traditional therapies or medications. As a matter of fact, we suggest to not believe any of this information, nor any of the information out there in the world. Remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. We are looking forward to continuing to provide this information through this platform, and if you are drawn to support us, you can do so by the following. Sharing is caring. Share the podcast with like-minded individuals. Emotional responsibility and energetic wisdom can save the world. If you are drawn to support us monetarily, you can do so by visiting our patron page, where you can make a monthly donation in exchange for exclusive Wise Wise perks. You can do this by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Next, you can head over to Alexander's website where you can book private consultations in person, by phone, or on Skype, find out more information on his live performances, class schedules, products, including birth chart analysis reports and music, and check out more information on his sound therapy tables. To do so, you can visit vibrotune.com, V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E dot com. Finally, if you have been searching your entire life for consciously created apparel featuring the WiseWise Wise logo apparel, Alexander theme clothing, or other alternative perspective designs, you can head over to Verity's Apparel, where you can find all that and more. That is veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. We want to thank you for being part of this journey.